Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to SST on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on those podcast apps, and follow us on social media at Subway Sports Talk on Instagram and TikTok at Subway Sports Talk TLK on Twitter. That's where we get the updates for all the new episodes. That's where you get the content that's exclusive for social media. So don't be afraid to follow, drop a comment on those videos as well, because the interaction, that's what it's all about, people. And we're going to have some great interaction on this very podcast where we have a wonderful, exciting NFL storylines draft with the one and only Cody O'Connor. What's up, brother? Hey, my man. You know, I can't see you right now. That's tough for us. But like our NFL guys, man, we're just pushing through and it's it's just awesome that right now we're talking to NFL and it's actually the appropriate time to be talking NFL. It's right around the corner. Nothing like football, man. I'm so pumped for this. Yeah, it's that time of the year where the fantasy chats are starting to get fired up about when you're going to draft, if you're going to be able to meet in person, which gets harder and harder every single mm-hmm. year. You're also getting the quarterback show on Netflix drop in the first episode or two. You got hard knocks around the corner with the freaking Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Like, man, we are in the zone, Cody. And every single day that goes by, my excitement for football is just going up and up and up. And gosh, I am so pumped. And what I want to do with this episode, because I wanted to talk about these overarching storylines for teams and players and coaches and just the league at large. And what better way to do that than to get on on this podcast with with someone like you who knows the NFL and loves the NFL and mm. just go through those storylines and let's make it a draft. So we're going to pick storyline for storyline, back and forth. No snake because it's just two of us. No need for a snake draft. Going to go back and forth just to me and you. And we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff across the NFL, players, teams, coaches, and at-large uh storylines and have fun doing it. So Cody, do you have anything to add before we get started and jump right into this thing? No, man, just that, uh, the last time we talked, we weren't sure. And now I am the Mets should be sellers at the deadline. That's all I got. Mm. on them. Yeah. Even though they are currently up on the Yankees in game one of the subway series here. Um, it's just tough. Cause you know, they take two steps forward, two steps back. It's not even two steps forward, one step back. They really are a two-step forward, two-step back type of team. Every time you think they're going in the right direction, Mm -hmm. they just play two or three games in a row where you go, oh, no, they didn't actually make it to said direction. They are still where they've been this entire time, and it still is incredibly frustrating. So I don't even want to talk more about the Mets. That's all I have to say. I'm good. All I have to say. (laughs) And it is funny that we can't see each other while we're recording, but if anyone's watching on YouTube, which you should, you will see both of our lovely faces. And you'll notice maybe that we're not reacting to our each other's faces, or maybe we are just because we know each other so well. We're doing this old school style, like it's a radio, but our video will be there on YouTube. So if you want to watch there, please feel free to do so. But without further ado, Cody O'Connor, I'd like to give you the option. I don't want to just throw it on you to go first, but I'd like to give you the option, if you'd like to go first, that it's all yours. I'll take it, Pete. I'll take it because I don't think I'm going to 
steal any of your first picks here because I'm starting with my homer pick. Like, I'm taking okay. the New York football giants to start because the most intrigued I am about anyone is the team that I follow the closest, the team that you and I both here uh, hold near and dear to our hearts. So my question for the Giants is, and it was what I was asking a lot last year, or towards the end of last year, are they going to be able to repeat the success and build upon it that we just saw from the previous year? Last year, they were a playoff team. They won a a playoff game convincingly. Um, They won that game to get into the playoffs convincingly. They beat the Vikings in Minnesota. um, And, you know, we can forget about how the season ended because that was a success in and of itself, right? Making the playoffs and winning a playoff game was even a little icing on top of the cake. And my question is, is this team for real? Are they building something and moving forward? We just saw Saquon sign the one-year deal. So as I think we would have predicted, he's going to suit up week one because I don't think there was another option after that Le'Veon Bell recent situation where he sat out a couple years back came back, signed the deal with the Jets, and then ends up you know, almost falling off a cliff. I don't think anyone else was going to do that. So Saquon's back, and the reason that I am optimistic, always cautiously with my teams, but optimistic nevertheless, is because of Brian Dable, because of Joe Shane, because there's a new regime. And sometimes winning does this, where you could kind of be a little bit too reactive to what you just saw. But I just, I absolutely loved what they did last year. They seemed like a team with a plan. The way they moved DJ and and got him going, and it seems like, hey, this should only improve, right? This should only get a little better. The offensive line gets a little older. Evan Neal's got a year under his belt. Um, So I'm just excited to see what they do. And again, my question is, are they going to be able to build on it, or was last year more of a fluke? It's a really good pick, and I don't even know how much of a homer pick it is. Now, obviously, someone who's not from New York and isn't a Giants fan could argue very easily that it's not a homer pick. But in in the realm of the NFC and in the realm of where the NFL is at today, some of these other teams, they don't have huge question marks. They're not big-time storylines when it comes to interest, right? Like, we're basing this NFL storyline draft off of interest. The Eagles are awesome. What is the big question there? What is the super specific interest other than can they do it again? Can they still be this good? That to me isn't as interesting. And that's why that was on my board. And you're right. I would not have picked that number one. It would have been somewhere towards the the middle bottom of my of my top five for my my personal picks. But it is super interesting. And, and the whole Saquon thing, obviously there was a whole other monkey wrench into it. And even specifically the way I kind of looked at the Giants wasn't even at them as a whole. It was about Daniel Jones specifically. Can he become a truly solid quarterback, a top-ish tier quarterback? No one's saying he's a, well, I shouldn't say no one because there are some Looney Tunes out there. People are mostly saying that he's a top half guy pushing on the top 10. That's something that's a question mark. That's possible. He can actually do that. Will he do that? Does he have the wide receiver talent to do that? Can Dable continue to be that head coach and that offensive crafter to help him get there? Those questions are very serious. And when you talk about the Mm -hmm. NFC and how not so uh, strong it is across the board, it's realistic to think a team like the Giants has a chance to make some noise. 
Because you look through the NFC, and this will be something that comes up, I know for me, at least a handful more times probably. You look through the NFC, there's not a ton of teams who you feel great about. You feel great about the Eagles. You feel very good about the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Outside of that, you don't feel great or very good about anybody. Like, yes, you might you might specifically, and not you, Cody, but general you might like the Lions a lot. But you'd be remiss to say that you trust them to win 13 games or 12 games. They're not a shoe-in for that. Yeah, maybe the, the the Saints with Derek Carr can do something, but they're not a shoe-in for double-digit wins, right? Like, if you no, go past the Eagles, Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers, the Giants are right there in the mix with the Vikings, Lions, Packers, uh, Panthers, Saints, Falcons, Seahawks, Rams. Like, there's a mishmash of teams. And in theory, the Giants could have a slight leg on them based off of their success last year and the slight improvements they made this offseason. So I find that... Very interesting, Cody. That is a very solid number one pick. But the team that I would have picked first, or the player Mm -hmm. that I would have picked first, basically the storyline, moving on to my pick. I'm going with Lamar Jackson, Cody. My first pick is Lamar. I I love Lamar. I can't can't deny it. So my first pick is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. We got a new contract. We got new wide receivers. We got a new offensive coach in Todd Munkin. And we have a new chance here for the Ravens to become what so many of us thought was possible for them in the past three years. Since Lamar Jackson's MVP season, he's dealt with some injuries. He's been in and out. He still hasn't gotten that true playoff success. But last year, before he got hurt and they got that loss to Jacksonville in Week 12, they were on a four-game win streak, four games above 500 at the time. And then the final six or seven weeks of the season, They were running out Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown at quarterback. They lost their last two of the season to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Bengals, who didn't even necessarily need that game very much. This year, finally, turning a new leaf, looking at Lamar Jackson with the contract, the thing that clearly meant a lot to him, we know what he did to hold out and get that guaranteed money up to where he was comfortable signing. They add in Odell Beckham. They Mm -hmm. draft Zay Flowers. They still have Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. They bring in Nelson Aguilar, and they got uh, James Proche, and um, I believe they have Andy Isabella as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not seeing him on the depth chart right now, but I thought he was there earlier, unless he just got cut. Nonetheless, that's at least a relevant wide receiver core full of NFL football players, and that's something that we couldn't have said over the last two or three years. Devin Duvernay was like their number one last year. He was their number one wide receiver. That's not okay. And now they can at least look at Odell Beckham, the rookie Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, Nelson Aguilar to be a unit to bring some sort of worth to this passing game outside of Mark Andrews being the one and only playmaker in the pass game. J.K. Dobbins is back from injury. Gus Edwards Mm. is back from injury. They bring in Melvin Gordon. This team all of a sudden to me, still with a very strong offensive line, still with some talent on defense and a guy like Kyle Hamilton who might take a huge jump this year in year two, Mm -hmm. they are in position to make a lot of noise. And though I believe the AFC North is probably maybe the second or third best division in all of football, 
there is a great path for them to make the playoffs. There's a great path for everybody who questioned why Lamar was being so difficult with his contract to get over it and realize that you paid one of the top six or seven quarterbacks in the league top tier money. And to me, it's a huge storyline that matters a lot for his success, for quarterbacks' future success and payments, as well as quarterbacks who are mobile, who can do some of the things that he can do. If this works out well, and the new OC and Todd Monk can come from Georgia, does good things with Lamar Jackson, they're going to be electric, we're going to remember why we love this man so much, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So, Cody, that's my first pick. I love that. You know, I, I, I got a couple things from that, because I actually had on my list the AFC North as a whole, but I'm going to back off that for a second and just talk Ravens for you, because I say, oh, Pete, you love Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson, too, and my future showed it last year. I had him on a couple plays, and I had the Ravens in a couple plays. So I followed them closely, and they had the season from hell. I mean, they started with running backs going down, and then it's receivers, and then it's Lamar, and they just never were able to be fully healthy. And they still won, what, 10 games and made the playoffs. So they are still yep. got that infrastructure, right? I mean, that's still a team that is really ready to go and do named all the additions to wide receiver, the huge addition just because he's back from injury to J.K. Dobbins. Um, and the real big question mark is what's Odell going to look like a year plus removed now from playing in the NFL? Is that going to be a positive for him that he was able to take all that time off to really get fully healthy, to hopefully be mentally there? I like to think so and hope so. And hopefully you see some, electricity between him and Lamar um, and Kyle Hamilton's definitely the guy that you have to highlight on the defensive side for the Ravens he's going to be everywhere the guy's a beast I mean you already said it so I'm not going to add too much more to that but the Ravens are a great team and the reason that I had the AFC North on my list and I assumed it would be more of an honorable mention for me so you didn't take much from me but the AFC North I think they have four teams that all have a legitimate case. Maybe not at the division necessarily, because I still think it's the Bengals who are on top. And I actually have ideas of them being my type of team to maybe win the Super Bowl this year. But uh, the rest of the North is, you name the Ravens, you got the Steelers who have now Kenny Pickett in year two. That's a team that Mike Tomlin's the head coach of, and he never wins less than nine games. And they're going to be right around. They've got good talent. They added to the offensive line. I think Najee Harris, who I took under rushing yards last year, I think he has a big bounce back year this year. And so I think the Steelers can make some noise. And then what a huge question mark with the Browns, right? Like, what are they going to be? What's Deshaun Watson going to look like? Are we going to believe he's the Deshaun Watson we saw in the last few weeks last year? Or is he the Deshaun Watson coming out of college first couple years in the NFL? I like to think that he's going to be that old guy again. You know, it's really hard to ask a guy, albeit his situation was from his own stupidity, but to ask a guy to come in mid-season with a new team and just be the same guy, that's a big ask. So with a full year, what do they look like? If I had to guess, I think the Browns are still at the bottom of that pile, dog pile, if you will. It's just, that's a four-team race out in the AFC North. So I'm glad you highlighted the Ravens because that's a fun division to me. Yeah, uh, the Browns are a big one for me. I, I hear what you're saying on the Steelers. You know the consistency they have as a franchise and what they did winning four straight at the end of the year and almost sneaking into the playoffs mm -hmm. like you mentioned. That Browns roster is still really good. I mean, 
he came in and was about as horrible as any quarterback in the league, especially mm-hmm. for the first couple weeks he was back. Deshaun Watson, I'm talking about. Yep. But that roster is really good. Very. They also tried to change their identity in week one when he returned, when clearly they were having at least some success pounding the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and doing their thing on the ground. They still have a great offensive line. They have a very talented defense. They got receivers who can do a lot of things. Like, they're really good. And and if we looked at this division and said that there's three double-digit win teams, I don't think anyone's really shocked, right? Like, they got still have Nick Chubb, who might be the best running back in the NFL. Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan mm. People-Jones, and David Njoku's looked at as a, as a breakout candidate possibly this year uh, at tight end position. They're really good. And, oh, yeah, they have Miles Garrett. Yeah. Right, like he might be the best uh, defensive player in the in the league. Is there right, an so they have yep. top tier dogs, top tier dogs up and down the roster. And I'll save that for now because there's a chance I go back to them later. So, Cody, why don't you give us your second pick? All right, I'm gonna stay AFC here. I'm gonna jump around in my list a little bit. I'm gonna stay AFC, and it's kind of it almost kind of goes off of that because it's a, an all encompassing AFC question. Can anyone dethrone? the Kansas City Chiefs. Can anyone take the AFC? And again, I kind of alluded to it. I think my futures are going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals. I just I just feel Joe Burrow is right on the cusp. He's been on the brink. Um, and I think if it's not the Chiefs, that's the team I feel most comfortable with. I think there's a huge year coming from Jamar Chase. And in retrospect, there goes Joe Burrow as well. Um, but to me, the Chiefs are still the top dog. It's They won the Super Bowl. I've thought it forever. My future's backed it last year. I just, who can dethrone the Chiefs? You've got like seven to eight options potentially in the AFC with the, some of the names we've already thrown around. Then you got the Bills, maybe Miami, maybe the Jags take a step forward. I don't know how frisky the Titans can be, but the D-Hop edition at least shows you that they're they're at least going for it again this year, right? That's at least your thought process as to why you'd sign uh, D-Hop. So the AFC, this loaded conference, I'm so glad I don't root for an AFC team. I didn't even mention the Jets just now. I almost, I wonder if I did that on purpose. But the Jets with Rodgers, right? Well, that's actually on my list, so I'll hold on to that. But uh, the, this, the AFC is just so loaded. And the Chiefs are the clear top dog. It's so hard to repeat, and I'm just so curious to see who could come out because we named seven, eight teams that actually have a legitimate chance because their team is that talented or their quarterback's that good or a combination of those two things. So the overarching pick is, can anyone dethrone the Chiefs in the AFC? That's a great storyline because when you think about the Chiefs as a, as a specific unit, and you think about their own storylines within the organization, there really isn't many questions outside of their receiver core, right? They lose Juju Smith-Schuster. They apparently have Kadarius Tony back um, to be one of their guys that they depend on. He's already banged up mm-hmm. and, and dealing with injuries. Giants fans heard that before. Yes, you have. <laughs> but when you look at them in the grand scope of the AFC, it actually is quite the interesting storyline because yes, they are the favorites. Yes, they are the top dogs, the defending champs. You look at the odds for the AFC championship winners, they're plus 350. The Bills and the Bengals are on their ass. 
Bills plus 450, Bengals plus 500. So Vegas is telling you it's not that far off. Mm. And we know that because we've seen the Bills go toe-to-toe in the past two years. We've seen the Bengals go toe-to-toe and knock them off once in the past two years. So it's possible. And then just to round out those odds, it's the Ravens, Mm -hmm. Jets at plus 1,000, Dolphins, 1,200, Chargers, 1,200, Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville and Cleveland just under 2,000. So all those teams are in that range of possibilities. And when you are going for futures, it pays to go for some some big guns, right? Mm-hmm. Like it pays to go. That's the, that's the wrong word. It pays to go for some big odds. Yeah, some value. The payoff. What right? are you gonna do? What we call it value. You're gonna put, yeah, you're gonna put fifty bucks on the Chiefs and walk away with one hundred and fifty dollars at the end of the year and be like, wow, what an amazing time. Like, no, you're not gonna be like the most excited about that. Yeah, you'll be happy you won one hundred fifty bucks, but you know, you, you you ain't writing home about that. You ain't telling all your boys about that. It's not that hard to choose. But if you go ahead and say Chargers plus thirteen hundred. We're talking a different game here, right. right? And that's a possibility. And I might, I may go to them later. Who's to say? Don't want to, don't want to give my hand over here to my, uh, my draft, my draft. Com- it's com- tough counterpart. to not give your hand. Dude. I'm looking at my list and I'm like, dude, I just kind of covered like three others right now. But all right, yeah, it's all good. So we have you have right now the G-men yes, and sir. the possible dethronement of the Chiefs as a storyline. I picked Lamar Jackson and the Ravens as my first storyline, and for my second storyline. You know what? I don't know if this is my true second storyline. I'm just going to do it now. I, I wasn't, they, these guys weren't this high on my board uh, as I made these, these picks earlier, but I'm going to go for it because it feels right in the moment. I'm taking the Chargers, Kellen Moore, and Justin Herbert. They were on my Justin list. Justin Herbert just, as they should be, as they should be, Cody, because Justin Herbert just got a new contract, very pretty contract, 140 something guaranteed, 260 total. He's a beast. You know, there's a lot of people out there who believe he's a top five, top three level quarterback. You know, probably not ahead of Mahomes and Burrow yet because he hasn't done it. Probably right behind Allen, but in that range, him and Hertz are in that little four or five tier, right? However, there are some really sharp NFL minds out there who believe he is as good as anybody. There are also some not so sharp. NFL minds out there, Cody, that believe he's not good and he's overrated and he's a highlight tape only. To that, I say, that's ridiculous. This guy does things on the football field that most people cannot. This guy's had an offensive coordinator who has driven me up the wall and I don't even care about the Chargers. I can't imagine how Chargers fans even felt watching this offense just run the same dumb shit over and over again getting in third and long and waiting for Herbert to come with his superhero cape and save the day (laughs) over and over again on third and nine. It was not sustainable, and he did his best damn job he possibly could making that offense reliable, even though his coaches were setting him up for failure. Last year, they scored 390 points. That's towards the upper echelon in the AFC. It was only behind about four teams. They can be even better. They didn't make some crazy ads. They didn't do a whole lot of crazy stuff with the offseason, but they got a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. And say what you want about him and the Cowboys and what they've done over the past couple of years, he had some success. He had some juice. He had some inspiration with that offense. He got dealt a bad hand without Dak Prescott for a handful of weeks last year, and hell, they still won 12 games, right? So the Chargers' biggest problem has been shooting themselves in, the, mm. in their own feet. This could be the year that things start to turn around. 
and maybe it has to be that Staley has to go, and it'll be next year. But if you look at all these odds across uh, the, the conference winners, like I just mentioned, the Super Bowl odds, which has the Chargers um, just outside that main hub, they're at plus 2,200, surrounded by the Lions and the Dolphins and the Browns. I love that. Because when it comes to the AFC in general and you're betting futures, you need to think about this division absolutely annihilating itself. That's what they do. The Chiefs have to go up against the Chargers, who have to go up against the Bills, who have to go against the Bengals and the Ravens, and yada, yada, yada. It's not going to be easy. But the team that gets out of the AFC, if they're still upright and they're not facing the juggernaut Eagles, will likely be favored in that matchup. So I think that they have all the tools. I think they have all the weapons they need. And most importantly, I think Herbert solidifies himself with a real offensive coordinator for the first time in his career as a true top five quarterback where none of us haters on the couch can sit here and say that he's overrated and just a highlight machine and not a real quarterback because that storyline is getting kicked to the can if you ask me you know how i how i no tap this one as i made my list i put it down as chargers curse question mark can they get out of their own way is pretty much my question on the chargers (laughs) right like they're always loaded with talent it seems like our whole lives back to the Drew Brees days through the Phillip Rivers days and now to Justin Herbert. They've always had this talent and they always seem to find a way to let you down. So Chargers curse felt appropriate for me to type it in. And, you know, last year when we talked on here, because I got to make sure that I'm, I'm holding myself accountable here. We went through those quarterback tiers and I dropped Herbert down a full tier because he got beat in that playoff game in a pretty embarrassing fashion. I think Herbert is all-worldly talent. I've never questioned that. And I think going into the year, he should be marked as a top-five quarterback. I think if you want to put Hurts in front of him, that's perfectly fair. I probably do because Hurts showed me, hey, I can win a couple playoff games. And even the one in the biggest game he lost, he absolutely balled out. So I got Herbert uh, just below Hurts. Herbert has to get out of his own way and out of the Chargers' own way because he's a career just slightly north, I believe, of 500 quarterback with zero playoff wins. Again, I think he's an otherworldly talent, but he has to prove it to me on the biggest stage. He has to win a playoff game so he can put himself firmly in that conversation with the other guys that we've mentioned. Where the only one that you could probably compare to him in that top five list is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen got the real raw side of the deal losing that Kansas City Chiefs playoff game against them a couple years back. So that's only my that's really my thing with Herbert. I believe in him. I don't think I can back the Chargers as a team because they just scare the daylights out of me. I just feel like they can find a way. But I understand why you would, and it feels like a trap that anyone could fall into any year because they're always talented enough, and Herbert is that special, seemingly. Just want to see him do it for real. I couldn't agree more. I don't have much else to add. My only thing about their roster that scares me a little bit is they don't have a lot of depth at receiver. Like, because Mike Williams is injury prone. Yes. As we know, Keenan Allen has been injury prone in the past couple of years. They have Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. Like, those guys are fine. Quentin Johnson, like, they're, they're fine. I wish they had one more receiver to look at. Like, I wish they had their version of Tyler Boyd, mm. right? Like, a true number three who's not just, like, a big play waiting to happen, but a consistent guy. That, like, if Williams is out for a little bit, you can say, oh, this guy's going seven for 75, right? Like, Palmer and Guyton, for as many big plays as they made last year, 
they're not like mainstays to the receiving core. They they kind of need one more, but you know, God forbid they're healthy at receiver. They're better than most teams in the league, right? So I, I love what I'm looking at there. I also just love the odds for them. Mm. Honestly, that, that has something to do with it. Because if you're betting on a Super Bowl champ, you're going to take the Chiefs plus 600? Like, sure, go ahead. Have fun with your loser ticket. I mean, winner ticket, but you're going to, I'm thinking you're a loser because <laughs> that's no fun. Yeah, that's I'm not no going fun. Back. You're going to take the Chiefs or the Eagles to do that? Like, no, that's not why you put in future bets. You put in future bets to make big cash, and 2200 for the Chargers hold on, feels hold on. right to we me. We got to make sure we're clear on something. You make bets of all sorts to win money. We got to make sure that we're clear on that. We got to win our money. So if you're going to take one future and it's just the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, then I'm with you. A little bit of loserville for you. But you still got to take what yeah. you think is going to win at the end of the day. That is very fair, and you're you're being way more rational than I am right now. But look at me being the you know, rational like, one here. Yes, you're right, but you're you're also right in the sense that if you put in more than one Super Bowl future before the season starts, mm-hmm. and you put the Chiefs and the Eagles, and then the 49ers and the Bengals, like yeah, mm-hmm. you might hit one. And guess what? Half your winnings you're are probably, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably because all the money you laid that, out right? on all, all those various bets. Hey, what are the Bengals that, odds? I haven't looked it up yet. Yeah, the Bengals odds are plus a thousand right now, which I mean, that's the fourth best odds across the NFL to win this Bowl behind only the Chiefs, Eagles, and Bills. But they're pretty much stacked in there. The Bills are plus nine hundred, Bengals plus a thousand, Niners plus a thousand. So that whole little range right there is that second tier where it's a little bit more juicy, but it's still, you know, still top tier. Oh, plus a thousand is what I got the Chiefs at last last year and uh I like that payout. That was good for me. So I think that's where I'm. I think that's where I'm looking. I, I I'll have to finalize it some lonely night in August when, like, the Mets are down four to one in the ninth, and uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna rattle off a bunch of futures. <laughs> that's that's the way. That's the way to do it. And you know, last year with the Chiefs, they were obviously facing the Tyreek Hill question. Right. If you know, what, what are they gonna do without Tyreek Hill? And they weren't some mainstay guaranteed Super Bowl appearance, right? Like, so they did have their own bumps last year, but clearly it didn't matter too much. Yeah, they were doubted. All right. Um, on to my third or my second pick, my third pick. No, actually we're up to your third pick, Cody. That's right. Let's go to your third third pick here. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to shift focus a little bit here. We've, we've touched a ton of AFC and I've still left one close to the top of the board, but I have another overarching NFC question for us because we know about the Eagles. We've covered them. And we know the Niners are probably the next best team. Is there a third plus team? And you know, you mentioned the Cowboys and their talent wise, their roster says, yeah, they should be the next team. They should be able to compete with these others. History has told us that doesn't always matter with these Dallas Cowboys. Very similar to those chargers. But I wonder, is there another team? And my question, I guess, outside of the one I posed is, can the Rams come back to form and make one final push? With the team that they have, with Sean McVay, can Matt Stafford return to form? They also seem like a team who had the year from hell last year. Stafford never really felt healthy. Is he over the hump, or do they have one final push? Because that's a team that, you know, well-coached. They're not incredibly different than they were. Can Cooper Cup return to that form? He got hurt last year. They're the team that I look for as, like, a question mark. Can they challenge the top outside of maybe a Giants? 
Maybe you get an NFC South team. I don't think even if, uh, you know, obviously one has to come out. I don't think any of them compete there. The NFC North, I don't know. The Vikings might repeat their success. I know the Lions are actually favored to win that division, but I'd have to see a little more to believe it. But can anyone, and specifically can the Rams, maybe challenge those Eagles or or uh, San Fran in the NFC? I'm going to actually go ahead and, and kind of spoil one of the picks on my board because I'm not going to pick it now, especially with what you just picked on number three here. I had down, are the Rams really going to stink? Mm. That was my that was my question mark. That was going to be a possible storyline. That was lower down my board. But it is a great question because I kind of agree with you on that front, Cody. Look at this. They got Cooper Cup back, and if he's healthy, we know how he is. Mm-hmm. Van Jefferson don't stink. Tyler Higby don't stink. Demarcus Robinson and Ben Skoranek, they're decent three fours, I guess. Cam Akers is back. Sony Michelle's over there. You know, they got some guys who can who can play football. Aaron we Donald know their still defense. Plays football. He absolutely does. Mm-hmm. All right. And they still got some talent over there on the defensive side. And like you said, they still got Sean McVay. I'm I'm hard pressed to believe that they're gonna suck. Right. Right. Like there's last year was one of those seasons, like you said, from hell, but it was basically a season they just punted on. Right. Like Baker Mayfield started a game for them at quarterback when he mm-hmm. arrived to the team the day of the game. Right. Like we have to remember when, when the Rams sucked last year, why did they suck? Was it just because they aren't good anymore? Cause they're completely washed as a franchise. Cause they're going to have to rebuild before they do anything good again. Or is it because, you know, three of their best five players didn't play for like the entire season. Right. Like I, I kind of think that it's silly to believe that they have no juice left in the tank. Uh, So I think that, it is interesting. It should be a storyline, and it will be a storyline. Now, if if Brett Ripien and Stetson Bennett are fighting for the starter position in week six because <laughs> Stafford can't play healthy, then, yeah, we're probably looking at 5-12 and 12 again, and that's absolutely a possibility right. for this team. But if Matthew Stafford is playing football again and looking like Matthew Stafford, I believe he's got some juice left. Now, you think about this idea of teams selling their soul for a championship you absolutely can make that argument for the Los Angeles Rams. They sold their soul. They sold their cap space. They sold their draft picks quite literally for a championship opportunity and they won it. So last year's five and 12. Oh, well, let's move it on. Let's keep it pushing over here. I think there's a chance that they do not suck. However, I don't think that they should be looked at as the number three team in the division but perhaps in that four, five, six range with a great chance to make the playoffs and be just as good, if not better than the Seahawks, better than the NFC South and better than the NFC North, right? Like if, if the Rams and the Giants had the same season this year and they both won nine games, we shouldn't be shocked that the Rams had nine wins, right? Like that shouldn't be a shock to anybody. So I think that's absolutely a storyline and it may not be entering week one, but if all of a sudden they string a few wins together and you know they're they're healthy on offense, we're gonna see it and we're gonna start talking about it. And if they take down San Francisco, Seattle and San Francisco in the first two weeks of the season, which is the first two games they have, we're gonna start saying, "Oh my God, did we underestimate this mm-hmm. team with a ton of talented players and a great coach?" So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, real quick, I gotta I gotta sneak in because I just checked the odds, and I was thinking about this actually while I was driving earlier today that like what the Rams odds, uh, what their win total might be. Do you want to take a guess before I, before I just give it out? I'm going to say seven and a half. 
That's what I would have said. And I would have said that was minus money, Pete. If you had asked me, I would have said seven and a half would maybe be in the minus 135, 140 range. It is six and a half. Oh, my God. On FanDuel. And it is plus 110. So Vegas does not agree with us. Over six and a half wins, plus 110 for the Rams. That is beyond juicy. You're telling me that team can't win seven games. That has to be them thinking Stafford's done. Vegas knows a lot. They don't always know all. I may have just found a new future for myself to take. I might become a Rams fan this year. It's tough, you know, and I I try not to think too hard about the plus odds and minus odds on over-unders because I I really don't understand who they're trying to trap with these bets, (laughs) right? Like the amount of tickets that they're pulling in on over-unders bets doesn't touch what they pull in on, you know, Rams Niners week two, right? Like more people bet week to week in the NFL than they do bet futures. So are they putting that over under six and a half with juice with plus one ten juice on it to trick squares like me and you? Are they (laughs) are they tricking the sharps? Because you would think that if the sharps maybe agreed with what we're saying right now, that that number would move a little bit. But then again, the I think the entire public is looking at this team as fried. They, I, I, so I, I, I'm torn on that, Cody. And yeah. that's why I think I would go over six and a half. And yeah, it feels like a sucker bet because of where those odds are placed. But I have this feeling that everybody who watches the NFL casually to less than sharp thinks they suck and thinks they're fried. And I just, I don't believe that. And I won't believe that until I literally see it. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I mean, just think about their own division, right? You're, you're telling me they can't split with Seattle and sweep Arizona? Right, that's th- exactly, exactly, Pete. That's three wins like, right there. And and they have they have winnable games on the schedule, man. They have the Colts, they have the Steelers, they have the Packers, they have um, the Commanders and the Saints. Like they well, have yes. winnable games out here. Simply, they're in the NFC, and we highlighted how much weaker the NFC is than the AFC. So it's right. There's a roadmap for it. And I think when you're taking a pick like this or when you're taking a future, you have to be able to see the roadmap. You have to be able to see the realistic possibility of it before you take it. I could see seven wins. But you know what? Obviously, I could see them you know, getting hurt and it not working out. But that's the nature of gambling. There's a chance that they could punt again. That's always going to be a chance with where they are from a health standpoint. Uh, but just like you said, everything went wrong for them last year. Everything went right for the Seahawks last year. And yeah, I don't I'm believe not, Seattle's as good as they were. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're a lock for nine or ten wins. Like mm-hmm. never in my my freaking chance will I say that. No way. So I, I'm with you. I think the I think the pull on the six and a half makes a lot of sense, and I, I find that to be an interesting storyline. I had it low on my board, and I know you didn't pick the Rams specifically. You picked the NFC number three, which encompasses more. But the Rams in that conversation, they should be in it. Yeah. They should be in that conversation. Yeah, they were like my big. Qu- yep, yep, absolutely. All right, that's good. I'm going to keep it NFC here as well. And you know what? What I'm going to do here with my third pick, just to just to get this one out of the way, just because it kind of touches on what you were just doing, but it's a little bit different. And I, I think this one is possible. And I think it's a long shot. I think the Vegas odds will probably tell us that we're, or tell me at least, that I'm a crazy person for thinking this is possible. For my third pick, I'm going... Can the Cowboys win the NFC East? That's my third storyline of this NFL season. 
The odds currently are Eagles minus 115, which you would think, you would think, Cody, mm-hmm. that that should be minus 250. The way they ran through the league last year, the way they dominated both lines of scrimmage every single week, and they didn't even need to play fourth quarters because they were so damn good, you would think that's minus 250, but it's minus 115, and the Cowboys are plus 175. This Cowboys team is stacked. They have a great roster, and I think they got better from where they were last year. And I think they've flown under the radar this year. They won 12 games Mm. last year without Dak Prescott, and I know they won a few of those games without him, but just think about what we're working with here. They still have CeeDee Lamb, top-tier wide receiver. Michael Gallup, who's one of the best number threes in the NFL, they bring in Brandon Cooks, who's still yeah. not 30 years old, Cody. What the hell? That's insane. He's not even 30. And he still puts up numbers. Um, and then uh, Tony Pollard is looked at as a top five running back going into this year, if we're being quite honest. You know, you still always think about Tyron Smith, and if he could play healthy, he's missed so many games over the past couple of years. But besides the point, their defense is stacked, and that's where they've made all their money over the past two seasons, they've had a top five defense. And if Dak stays healthy with these weapons and this offensive line, there's no reason they're not winning 12 games again this year, right? So plus 175, not the juiciest, sweetest odds, but that's not what you do when you're betting on divisions. You're looking at Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, Landon, Leighton Vander Esch, Stephon Gilmore comes into this, to this group over here with Trayvon Diggs on the other side. Like this team is really freaking good. And that's why when I've been talking about Giants fans maintaining their expectations in some sense of reality, it's been important to me to remind folks how good they were last year and how good they can be again this year. Also, let me remind you, Cody. Actually, let me ask you, Cody. Do you know the last time there was a repeat winner in the NFC East? I know I see this stat every single year. Every Um, year. And I know it's because there's been a non-consecutive winner for a long time. I'm going to go – I really wish I could just know this off the top of my head. I would say it was probably Dallas at some point in, like, the early nope. 2010s. Nope. Is it before the early 2010s? It is before the, the 2010s. Wow. It's not the Giants, so it's got to be the Eagles. It's the Eagles. In the early aughts, as my grandpa would use that, that like term, the early time? aughts. 04 and 01 to 04, the Eagles won three in a row. Maybe they won four in a row. I forget, but it was at least three in a row by the Eagles. And since that 04 season, there has not been a repeat champion in the NFC East. And one thing I always try to remind myself when I'm looking at the NFL and preparing my ideas for over under totals and future bets and my one, two, three weeks of the season bets, things are not as they seem in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Always. Every year, if there's one thing we can count on is that there's going to be two teams we thought were great that are going to stink, and there's going to be two teams that we thought were bad that are pretty solid. One of the other things in the guarantees is that you cannot predict the NFC East. (laughs) It's really freaking hard to do so. Cowboys are really good. If the Eagles have any regression, they were super healthy last year outside of two weeks where Jalen Hurts couldn't play. They were super duper healthy last year. The Cowboys won 12 games. They can be right back in it. Plus 175 is reasonable. Vegas is telling you they don't think the Eagles are a runaway from the division by only putting them at minus 115 because everyone and their mother believes that the Philadelphia Eagles are a one, two, or third best team in the NFL. 
All that being said, I think it's extremely reasonable that the Cowboys can take care of business here. They play um, at the Eagles in week nine, and they play home against the Eagles in week 14. So I'm happy they don't play each other in like weeks two and seven. Yeah. That would be a buzzkill. We get them in week nine and week 14. Those games are going to matter. And then they have to end out their season. They got Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, and Washington. Those games can be super important. None of those are gimmies at all, but the Cowboys are good enough to take down anybody in the league. They could be, they could be favorited in a dozen games next year, if not more than that. So I'm looking at the Cowboys for that type of odd. I, if they weren't the Cowboys, maybe I'll do it anyways because maybe the Cowboys or Chargers will break their curse this year. But I like where the Cowboys are at from division odds as well. They got the third highest uh, conference odds in the NFC, and they have the sixth highest Super Bowl odds in the NFL. So I'm buying the Cowboys this year. I think they're going to be very good. I think their defense is still going to wreak havoc. And if Dak Prescott stays healthy, which he should, boy, this team's going to be freaking tough to beat. You're not wrong about any of that. The Cowboys are super talented. And the thing with the Cowboys, it's usually the playoffs when we start to see them, you know, fold upon themselves. It's not always the regular season. 12 wins last year. And Micah Parsons on that defensive side of the ball has got to be the guy highlighted. He might be the best player on their team. And that's no knock to Dak or to Pollard or to C.D. Lamb or to Trayvon Diggs, who just signed a big deal. But Micah Parsons is that big of a game wrecker he's that big of a deal and you know the Eagles had a lot of things go their way last year they're a good team I'm not taking anything away but you name the injury luck and that's a big thing with any sport but especially in a contact sport like the NFL so one or two things don't go the Eagles way all of a sudden that week 14 matchup that you highlight is really important and Dallas was still nipping at their heels despite all of what went wrong last year personally just like I said with the Chargers, I just can't back the Cowboys. I couldn't bring myself to do it, even though I'd understand why someone else might. Um, so I don't have too much more to add to that. I, I like the idea of Dallas being able to compete with them, but almost like like almost like a, you know like the second round Sixers. So now I get to make fun of Philly and Dallas in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just it's, it's I can't. Not, Nothing sweeter in sports than getting to make fun of Dallas and Philly at the same time. Yeah, it's, you know, whenever I can get my jabs in, because Lord knows it's a tough, it's a tough road that I and you, because we're fans of the same teams, live. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but that, you know that's definitely possible, man. And the, the addition of Brandon Cooks to really solidify that receiving core and take a little bit of the heat off of CD Lamb, and if they go double CD. The somehow not thirty year old Brandon Cooks is going to torch some defense, and if he doesn't, <laughs> Michael Gallup will. So that's I, I like that. Absolutely, picture. Dallas has super talent, but they usually do, just like the Chargers. All right, give me number four. All right, I am going to have to go back to the AFC, and I'm a little. I'm not, I, go, I won't say I'm surprised, but this is Subway Sports Talk. We cover New York sports here, Pete, and I don't know how much more intrigued I can be than the New York Jets. Man, they are loaded up with talent. They've actually been doing such a great job drafting and signing and re-signing and picking their spots to make free agent moves that they have a loaded roster. And, oh, yeah, they've got that guy named Aaron Rodgers coming over. And while all signs point to up, Pete, maybe this is the Mets fan in me. I am so afraid that this yeah. thing goes so south for the Jets and their fans just don't get exactly what they deserve. And they deserve – Jets fans 
they deserve a, a good team. They really do, man. They're so passionate, and they've been through the ringer. But I could just see it. because, And, again, I really think that's the Mets fan in me talking. It's really gotten less to do with the team, the roster, the coach, and more to do with the fact that they are the New York Jets who just find a way to really break your heart. And the question, I guess, for them really is, is Aaron Rodgers over the hump? Is last year – who he's going to be going forward, or does he have more to offer? Because genuinely, Pete, I don't think he has to be a superstar for this team. Even though I joked a little bit about who they are, I think that if he is a top 10 to 12 quarterback, that that team is a 10-win team and should be in the playoffs. Albeit in the AFC, I think they have the talent. I think Garrett Wilson is primed for an absolute breakout year. Brees Hall is supposed to be ready for week one, whether he actually is. Or maybe it's like week three, but either way, all indications point to him playing early on in the season. And he was electric when he was there last year, first eight or so weeks of the season. Their defense is stout. If Aaron Rodgers can just be an average to above average quarterback, that should be a 10-win team. But should and could and would, they don't always mix together with the Jets. Great points, and it's honestly a little crazy that they fell this far in our draft here in our storylines draft, right? Because they are probably the number one talked about franchise at this point in time, especially, I mean, locally, it's obviously a huge deal Mm -hmm. that the Jets have Aaron Rodgers and have this much talent on defense. Um, Just like I've said to Giants fans, manage your expectations. I am reminding Jets fans that you have one of the five hardest schedules across the NFL this year, so it's not going to be a cakewalk, just... Listen to these first six weeks before they're by. Uh, home versus Buffalo at Dallas, home versus New England, home versus the Chiefs at Denver, home versus Philly. I mean, the maybe oh. favored at max twice Denver and Pats. Max twice, but probably max. Once. It's at it's at Denver, so right. maybe just once. Yeah, right. So this team that their over under is nine and a half. They have the second best odds to win the AFC East. They're going to be favored once before they're by in week seven. Probably, right? They could be favored twice, probably not more than twice. That's real. That's going to be really difficult. And then after the bye, they got the Giants, which ain't a gimme, and the Chargers. So it doesn't really get easier. Then you still got Miami twice. You got Buffalo again. Got New England and Cleveland. Like, yeah, they got some gimmies. They got they got their Atlantas and Houstons and Washingtons that they should, in theory, beat. But we know what it's like in the NFL. It's not always that easy, right? right. So it's a tough-ass schedule for the New York Jets. That's that's super real. They do have the second best odds to win the division. Bills plus 130, Jets 250, Dolphins 290, Patriots plus 750. So it's real. Their team is so good. If they make this run, similar to what you said, there's a great chance it's on the back of this elite level defense. Mm-hmm. Go go through even Joe Schmo, Mr. Casual, Mr. Redzo, Mr. I have one fantasy team. He knows the players on the Jets defense. That, seriously, you know, you got Quinn and Williams, Carl Lawson, CJ Mosley, Sauce Gardner, yep. Adrian Amos, DJ Reed. Like these are guys who are top tier players at their position. With a their defensive defense minded is ridiculous. Coach. Exactly. So their defense is absolutely ridiculous. So, like you said, if their offense is even just slightly above average, they should be a 10 win team. It won't be easy, but they should be a 10 win team. It's weird that I have more confidence in the Jets team, but almost the same amount of confidence in the Giants season 
just based off who they're playing, who's in their division, how difficult it's going to be. Uh, but man, I am so pumped and excited. This could have been the first pick of the draft, Cody. Yeah, easily. They were number two on my list, and uh, yeah, they you know they fell a little bit, and I'm glad I got them because that's that's a really fun team. It's a really fun storyline. It's a great value pick. It's a great value pick. <laughs> All right, I got to go to my number four here, and I'm I'm so torn because I have like six storylines remaining on my on my sheet here, and I want to pick them all, but obviously I can't. We'll do an honorable mentions at the end. I was though, just for sure. That. <sighs> I'm gonna go. This is not a sexy one, not at all, but it's one that I'm personally quite interested in. I was invested in this team last year to make the playoffs, and it worked out well even though they made me sweat it out every single week of the final couple uh, games of the season here. Can the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, own the AFC South? Uh, were you going to pick that? My question is Jags, new king of the AFC South, question mark. Titans last stand. There, there you go. <laughs> Titans last stand for real. I don't trust the Titans at all. I mean, I know they had quarterback injuries last year, and that was a disaster, and they still won seven games. They lost seven in a row to end the season last year, as did the Colts who had the weirdest, most ugly mm. schedule ever last year. They, they also lost seven in a row. The Texans, even though you could be excited about what they're doing, they're clearly not ready yet. The Jaguars have a chance to put a hurting on the AFC South and say, this is our division. You better hope that Anthony Richardson is a stud. You better hope that Derrick Henry can play 10 more years in the NFL because the Jacksonville Jaguars are more talented and it's not particularly close. They have the best quarterback in the division. They have um, one, probably the best defense in the in the division at this point in time too. They have the most talent through ETN, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. They got dudes. If Calvin Ridley is who he was a few years back, he's a really, really good wide receiver. They're going to do some things, and their offensive line is very good. Their defensive line is very good. I, I like the Jaguars a lot, Cody, and I think this is the year that they just win 11 games, nothing crazy, a modest 11, but the Titans win eight, the Colts win five, the Texans win five, and we go, yep, Trevor Lawrence is winning this division every year for the next 10 years. Yeah, I agree because of Trevor Lawrence. Like, simple and plain, I, I don't want to add too much because I think it's just Trevor Lawrence is about to take a step towards the top five list that, uh, you know, we mentioned before. I think he's just on the outskirts of it. I do think he's top 10, otherworldly talent, and I think he's putting it all together. And I think coming off of that uh, playoff game, comeback against those Chargers, um, that they should just have all the confidence in the world. And just the Titans, I, my, I don't understand the Titans, Pete. I don't understand what they're trying to do as a franchise. I don't know if they're trying to win now, if they're trying to fold on – like, I don't get it because two years ago, or last year rather, they ship out A.J. Brown, and that indicates to me a team who's saying, all right, we are going to try to rebuild this thing. And then they bring in D-Hop this season on a reasonable deal, sure. But what does that – does that mean that they're now going for it and they believe we're good enough to compete in the AFC South? Because I guess that's what they think. But if you think that now, where was that thinking last year when you shipped out a 24-year-old A.J. Brown, who is arguably a top-five receiver right now in the league, and no arguments to be made, he's certainly a bona fide top 10. So I, I don't get the Titans. And uh, for that reason, along with what we said about the Jags, I do think it's the Jags division now. 
Yeah, and on the Derrick Henry front, I mean, he led the league in rushes again. He's going to turn 29. It's going to be his eighth season. He was good last year. He was. And I know that the odds were stacked against him because the quarterback play was so abysmal. The receiver play was so bad that he didn't have friendly boxes to Mm -hmm. running backs. But his yards per attempt is basically down from the past two seasons to his rookie season level. Right, he was averaging 5.1 and 5.4 in 19 and 2020, the seasons where he absolutely dominated. One of those seasons, he had 2,000 rushing yards. This past year, yeah, he still had 1,500 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns, and he had 350 attempts, most in the league, less than 100 yards per game for the first time in four seasons. Right, so there is a reason to believe he he could slow down, and we've said this for two years in a row now, and he hasn't particularly slowed down. He did have some injuries in 2021, but I don't think he's enough right now, Mm -hmm. right? Like D-Hop completely changes the math for this team and helps out Ryan Tannehill a ton. I personally really enjoyed them when they had A.J. Brown because he added that element of some sort of explosivity outside of Derrick Henry, but it also goes to the Tannehill question. Where's he at right now? Is he washed? Is he banged up? Is he hurt again? Are we looking at more Malik Willis? That's not going to look good. They're a tough team to back because they're not exciting. They play hard nose. They play tough well football. Coached, yep. Mike, Mike, Mike Vrabel is one of those coaches that everybody loves, but I'm not sure that they can say Derrick Henry carry us. I don't think that's as possible as it used to be. So I'm with you Jags all the way. Yeah. Let me, actually, let, let me just hit the division odds real quick. Jaguars minus 155 Titans plus 310 Colts plus 550. Texans plus a thousand. So for some quick little compare and contrast, the Jaguars have better odds to win their division than the Eagles do. <laughs> that says something to me. Yes, it does. Then the reigning NFC champs. Yep. All right, code hit us with number five. All right. It's uh, pretty much one of the only spots of the NFL that we haven't talked about. Um, and I had a couple – there's there's two really, and I'll, I'll maybe mention the others in our honorable mentions if you don't get to it. But I'm going NFC North just as a whole because mm. this is a division that's been dominated by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, last year the Vikings took it, but throughout last year people were very skeptical on those Vikings. Um, and then they go out and lose in the first round to the Giants, and I think – those people with those skepticisms felt very vindicated in feeling that way. They lose Dalvin Cook. And then you've got the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, like I said. They now turn to Jordan Love. Every indication is that they take a step backwards. The Bears with Justin Fields, his second year. He had some really good showing last year. He was running all over the place for a while there. Justin Fields could take a leap forward. And the Lions, yep, the Lions, Pete, for maybe the first time in our lifetime, are favored to win this division at a pretty relatively good odds. Last time I saw, I think they were plus 130, which shows that Vegas believes that they are the team to beat in the NFC North. So my question is, is or the storyline rather, is just the NFC North. Are we fully in on the, on the Lions? Do we trust that that team is going to walk away with this division. Do the Vikings have another stand in them? Do they have another 10 wins? I kind of think the Vikings do. Um, I know losing Dalvin Cook hurts, but I don't think it kills. You still have one of the most dynamic players in the league in Justin Jefferson. You still have Kirk Cousins for all the nonsense that gets thrown his way. He's got 
I don't know what his winning percentage is, but I would guess it's above, I don't know, somewhere close to 600, right? I mean, he, he wins football games. Even though it looks ugly, even though he might choke in the playoffs, he wins them. So the NFC North, I think, I think it's just very up for grabs. I don't think I could see the Packers winning it, and I don't think I could see the Bears winning it. But those other two, I think they're jockeying with each other, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Vikings win. And obviously Vegas wouldn't be shocked to see the Lions win. I'm very glad you went here with your number five because you now allow me to talk to two of my other storylines that I didn't want to pick for number five because I had on my list, can the Lions live up to the hype? Mm. And then I just had Jordan Love question mark. Yeah, <laughs> Those were two, two of the things I had on my list and now I get to talk about both of them. Quickly on the Vikings front though, I kind of agree with you and that's going to be brought up in my number five, which I'll save for a moment. So I'll talk about the Lions very quickly. What they did this offseason was very interesting to many people. They took Jamal Williams, who was a dude for them last year, a touchdown machine for them last year. They took DeAndre Swift, who was a big play waiting to happen for them last year. And they said, we don't need you. We don't need to pay you. We don't need to give you what you think you want and need. We're going to draft Jameer Gibbs and pay him $4 million a year. And we're going to sign David Montgomery for $6 million a year who is about the 14th highest paid running back going into this season. That group is great. Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs is very talented. They still have Amon Ross St. Brown, mm -hmm. who looks at uh, this receiving top tier list and says, why am I not in the top whatever tier that you want to put me in? I am that good. And all he's done is put up numbers to prove he's that good. So they are doubling down while maneuvering if that makes sense. They're they're betting on themselves without betting on some of the pieces they had because they trust their infrastructure right now. Ben Johnson has done great stuff for them on the offensive side of the football. They're doing a lot of good stuff on offense where you almost watch them and don't believe that they're moving the ball the way they were last season. Like I would get so pissed when I bet against the Lions and then last drive down the <laughs> field, J Jared Goff is just picking people apart. And Amon Ross St. Brown is not being covered by a soul and just running rampant on teams. Their defense is talented. They're very good. Can they live up to the hype? That's something they're very much not used to. Yeah. They were a fun little sleeper pick last year, and they won nine games and lost eight. That was a good season for them. It really was. This year, they're looked at to win 10. It's a different beast, but I think they do actually have what it takes to, to take that division. However, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the Vikings front too, Cody. I don't think they're going to roll over, right? Like, I don't think they're going to suck. Yeah, everyone points to the, the number that they won 10 one-score games last year. Never going to happen again. Perhaps it won't. Perhaps they'll win a few more two-score games this year, Cody. <laughs> they can still get buckets with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Their defense is the big-time question mark. But I do not see them as, like, two steps far behind the Detroit Lions in this division. On the Green Bay Packers front, I've never liked Jordan Love. Mm -mm. I thought he was bad in college, like straight up. I don't typically like rag on people coming out of college. I usually say, I'm not a big fan. I came on this podcast. And I'm like, this guy's not good at football. Like he makes bad throws, bad decisions, doesn't look comfortable. His feet are always moving. Like, what is this guy doing? And then he played like a few moments in the NFL and looked bad. <laughs> like, like he looked bad as well. So I'm thinking to myself that the Green Bay Packers are moving off Aaron Rodgers and just rolling with Jordan Love and want to contend. What? That's not going to happen. And they're trying to talk their talk about, oh, he's getting better. He's looking better in practice. He's doing this and that. He's grasping the offense more. 
I will believe it when I freaking see it, dude. Because I've never seen a good thing really out of him playing quarterback to this point in his career. And I'm not going to bet on it. That's what I'm saying. If he comes out and lights the freaking NFC North on fire, I'll be the first one to come on this podcast and be like, I did not see that coming. I cannot believe it. But I don't think he's good. And I don't think the Packers are going to do very good with that being said. So on the NFC North front, that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, man, I'm with you. And, like, the last thing on Love, man, it's not like Rodgers was thrown to anyone last year, and so now Love has that same same receiving core. He's got to throw to. I just don't see it like you. I'm with you. Yeah, and, you know, some of those guys are good, man. Watson, talented as hell. Dobbs, talented as hell. They might do well. They might put up some numbers. Uh, I don't think I trust them to be consistent, though, by any means. Right. All right, my number five. I'm going to go here for the final spot. Final for the final pick of the Cody and Pete NFL storyline draft. The Tom Brady pick, if you will. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> I'm riding with running backs as my NFL storyline number five. Will the running back controversy continue to make noise heading into this season? Can these running backs who have been very outspoken about how they feel mistreated and mismanaged from a contract standpoint across the NFL? They've been talking their talk, saying how much they do for their teams, how much they mean for their teams, and how much they should get compensated from those teams. But However, last week on this very podcast, I went through all the running backs from the most successful teams over the last five seasons, and almost never were the highest paid running backs a part of the most successful teams. And the only cases in which they were, it was Todd Gurley as the second highest paid running back in the Super Bowl that they lost, because Jared Goff was still on a rookie contract, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Brandon Cooks were pretty cheap. Then, when the Bengals lost their first Super Bowl appearance, Joe Mixon was the fourth highest paid running back. Joe Burrow, rookie contract. Jamar Chase, rookie contract. T. Higgins, rookie contract. Does it all make sense to you? It makes sense to me. So this year, with all this talk about running backs and what they should or should not be worth to NFL franchises, that question and that storyline will be very prevalent. Because if you look through the teams who pay their running backs the most, unfortunately, I think most of them are not going to be thrilled that they were paying their running backs this much money because of the holes on their roster. Some of those running backs include guys we love, guys who might win us fantasy championships, but may not do enough to carry their teams to the playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl. Those guys include Christian McCaffrey, the highest paid running back, who's a little bit unique with his pass catching ability, Alvin Kamara. Same thing. A little bit unique with his pass-catching ability. They also paid another running back in Jamal Williams, a little further down the list. Got Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs. Those are the clear-cut most paid running backs in the NFL. Those guys are all making $10 million plus. Which of those teams are going to be a proof of concept that running backs should be paid that much? It might be the Niners. Yeah, right. But we also know that... We also know the Niners have a trump card called Kyle Shanahan can do whatever he wants in this league. And the Saints, Titans, Browns, Packers, no one's expecting them to do much. No one's expecting them to be leading their division for that matter. Right? The Saints have a great chance to win their division. That's fair. That's possible. But no one's really expecting them to make a whole lot of noise. Same for the Titans. Same for the Browns. So I think this storyline is going to be very prevalent. Not just through the first couple weeks when... You know, Nick Chubb runs for 280 yards. Deshaun Watson throws for 120, and the and the Browns win by two scores. 
yeah, everyone's going to come out on Monday morning and say, this is why you got to pay running backs. <laughs> and then where is Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones in December and January? That's the question. And that's why I think this is going to run through this entire season as a storyline. Because if you think about it, would you rather be paying, Cody, uh, $13 million a year to Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry? Or would you rather have someone on your team like a Jameer Gibbs as a rookie and David Montgomery as a, as a 26-year-old making less than half the amount of money and be able to spend on a couple more wide receiver talents? and offensive line talents and defensive talents. That's the real question. I think it's going to be very prevalent throughout this entire season. Oh, man, I absolutely love that you brought this up. You want to talk about a value pick for the last of the draft. That is, that's like the storyline right now. Thank right? you. I mean, you've got the Zoom it's calls, huge. right? You've got the Zoom calls with these guys, and you nailed it because those guys, they're all otherworldly talents, but the fact of the matter is you ran through the list. We've seen it already. It's not just a list of names. It's also what you see watching the NFL year to year. Yes, these guys are important, but no, these guys are not winning you enough games to get you to where you want to be. And that makes it impossible to pay them. And it may not be fair to them, but that's the nature of the business. And I really wonder if there is a way to restructure for them or to make it you know, a little bit more fair for a running back like – I've seen so many ideas thrown out. I don't know if any of them are possible, but like something along the lines of making their rookie deal two to three years so that their second contract comes earlier. But then if you're another guy in the NFL, you might feel some type of way about that. Right. So I don't know if there's a fix and it's tough, but you know that going in as a running back and, uh, you know, our guy Saquon went through it this year and I think we all love Saquon and want him to be a giant. But I don't know that there's a Giants fan out there who was saying, pay that man whatever he wants. We need him, da-da-da. Yeah, his numbers are great. Yes, he helps the team. Yes, I'm happy he's a Giant. No, I did not want them to just give in and pay him and handicap themselves for years down the line. Because not only is it a tough position, it's hard to stay healthy at. And of those names you listed, a lot of those guys have already been hurt. And Saquon's one of them. So it's it's the nature of the beast, but I think you're right that that will be a storyline that will get talked about all year long. I, I think the Eagles are another great example of this conversation, right? That Miles Sanders was the key cog in the best running attack in the league last year. Like, and he's gone. They he was the he was the number one running back on the best run attack in football. No questions asked. Yes, they have a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts who, who did a whole lot with his feet, right? They said, Miles Sanders, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. We said, you go to Carolina, get $6 million. That's great. You know what we're going to do? We're going to trade for this guy, DeAndre Swift, who's making $2 million this year, and we're going to run Boston Scott out for a bunch of little passes every once in a while, and we're not going to worry about running back in the slightest. <laughs> like, there's, just, there's just so few situations in this league for the top-tier teams that they can't figure out something at running back. Like the Chiefs last year... They're running backs. I have it in my little handy dandy notebook here, so I could actually I could find it pretty I could find it pretty quickly. But they were running out Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco yeah. and freaking was it Le'Veon Bell? Like what? Le'Veon Bell was getting time. Oh, that was that was a couple years ago. They had Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Ronald Jones, Jarek McKinnon, and Isaiah Pacheco. None of those guys uh, are able to do to win a game 
by themselves. Right. But McKinnon had his moments. Pacheco had his moments. Edwards Lair had his moments. And they did what they had to do at the running back position. Like, I just, I'm so hard pressed to believe that one of these guys is going to be able to prove this concept as valuable. Like, Tony Pollard might go out and have a baller season. But there's a reason he's on the franchise tag. Because next year, Jerry Jones is an idiot. But maybe he learned from, from <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott that he, he won't do it again. But maybe they'll they'll pay Tony Pollard again. And guess what? Then C.D. Lamb's got to get paid. Dak's making a boatload. you got to pay Micah Parsons. Like, I'm choosing Micah Parsons over any running back on this list a million times out of a million. Like, it's not even close. And it sucks because these guys are some of our favorite mm-hmm. players in the league. Like, I love these dudes. They win us more fantasy championships than they win their team's playoff games. And that's the cold, hard truth, Cody. You know it. Oh, it sucks. I actually hate having this opinion, honestly. Because, and I said it last week on the podcast, the emotional part of me, the part of me that has empathy, wants these dudes to get, all get paid. But from a fan perspective and from a guy who tries to talk with wisdom about the NFL, it just doesn't usually work that well. And you can't deny it. it sucks. Like, yeah. John Robinson's a rookie this year. He was a high pick. He's going to make about $6 million. Bijan Robinson might be a top five back in the league this year, Cody. Yep, I've heard like, him thrown out let, in, in that exact spot. Like, let's be honest, and I'll bring fantasy into it for a second. If I go ahead and take Bijan Robinson fifth, I might get a couple eyebrows. I might get a couple people saying, damn, I wish I picked him third. Like, that's where we're at. Bijan Robinson's a rookie, never played a down in the NFL. And you have just as much faith in him as you do in Josh Jacobs and James Conner and Saquon and Aaron Jones. It's just the cold hard truth. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh my God. That was a good draft. Let me before we do honorable mentions, let me just recap that for us real quick. Cody, your five picks were the Giants, the AFC looking to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Who is the NFC number three? Possibly the Rams. Four is the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, and five is the NFC North. And my mm-hmm. five is Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Two Chargers, Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore followed by the Cowboys winning the NFC East. Lastly, the Jags owning the AFC South and running backs. So those are our five picks. I'll make a cute little graphic and put it on the interweb, see if people uh, think one is more interesting than the next. But, Cody, why don't you hit me with an honorable mention? All right, I got I got two, and they're going to be quick. Um, because you started B. John Robinson, and uh, the AFC – or the NFC South, rather, um, who may yet again have a winner come out with – a sub 500 record, but it is interesting because I've heard a lot of, I guess we'll call them the smart NFL brains, right? Like you love to point to that. And I know one of your guys is Warren Sharp and I know he's big on those Atlanta Falcons, but Pete, I actually think that it's the saints who come out of the NFC South out of the mud and win eight, maybe even a ninth game. I think Derek Carr has a ton to prove. Um, and I just, you know, I don't know if it's something I'll bet on. I'll have to check the odds and see if they're worth it. Cause I don't feel great about it. But, uh, I think if there was a bet that the NFC South winner has less than nine wins, I'd probably take that, that crapshoot of a, of a division down there. Um, and then my only other one is Russell Wilson, question mark. You keep seeing these videos about him. At least I have, I don't know. He seems to be, you know, better off this year. Is there a comeback? Is Russell Wilson over the hump? 
I've been very tough on him and saying that he's done as a quarterback for the last couple of years. And I'm not going to go back on that word unless he really proves me otherwise. So right now, I still think he's dead as a quarterback. I think the Broncos don't have much of a chance because of that. But if there's a resurgence to Russ and that throws another ring or another hat in the uh, in the ring of the AFC, now you got maybe another name. So I, I don't think there's a comeback for him. But uh, I just got to question my guy Russ and uh, see what he's got left, if anything, in the tank. Well, the part that you left out of the Russell Wilson conversation is Sean Payton. Oh, and I mentioned the Sean team. Payton's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You did. You circled every Sean Payton wagon without mentioning <laughs> him. If there is a coach out there who has the gusto to rework Russell Wilson into a magician again, Sean Payton's at the top of that list. This dude has had so much success with many different quarterbacks, some Hall of Famers like. Drew Brees, obviously, but even when he was running out there at the Saints with not Drew Brees, they were a pretty damn good team, right? So there's some talent in Denver. Their defense was really good last year, even though they were abysmal on offense. I had them down as an Oliver mention as well, but I actually said Sean Payton in Denver instead of Russell Wilson because I think if that cog is turned into a machine again, boom, it's because of Sean Payton there. But back to the Saints real quick, they got one of those schedules, Cody, that you can kind of say, Oh my God. Can they go like, can they go for like 10 wins? <laughs> Think about it. L- listen to who they're playing. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I, I, I hate playing the schedule game, but I also love it. It's so much fun. So this is who they got on their schedule. Just to start off the season, Titans, Panthers, Packers, Bucks, Patriots, Texans. What? So if you like the saints this year and you don't like their future odds on the division or the over under or whatever, they might be a week to week team. You want to throw in the mix. Because they had a lot of winnable games here, and they got games that you know they're not going to be five point favorites, seven point favorites in some of the in most of these games, mm-hmm. right? That's the first couple of weeks. Then after that, they got the Jaguars, Colts, Bears, Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Panthers, Giants, Rams, Bucks, Falcons. That's their entire schedule, Cody. They don't get an Eagles. They don't get a Chiefs, a Chargers, a Bengals, a Ravens. They don't have any of those dogs on their schedule. They have a schedule that we're going to blink and go, wait, wait, what? The Saints are what? (laughs) They're on pace for 13 wins? Like, this is insanity, right? Like, but Derek Carr can win football games. He hasn't recently, but he can do it. Chris Olave is an absolute stud. I think he's, he's prone for a big year this year. They still have Alvin Kamara. They add Jamal Williams, who, if Kamara is hurt for a couple weeks, like, listen, Jamal Williams, he can do some things. Mm -hmm. Right? God forbid we didn't even mention if Michael Thomas plays football again. Like, they got some dudes, and they still have a decent defense with a few solid-ass players like Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marcus May, Tyron Matthews getting old, but whatever. Marshawn Lattimore is a good player. They got they got a chance, Cody, and it's kind of crazy to think about. But that's – all right, so let me, I'll get to my honorable mm-hmm. mentions here real quick. I actually – I had I'll – say, I'll say this. I had Browns and Watson on mine, but we kind of touched on him earlier in the Ravens conversation. So I won't bring him up again. So the only one that's on my list that I didn't bring up because I had Sean Payton in Denver as well is the 49ers quarterback situation. It's one of those storylines, Cody, that it may just not even be a story because it may not even matter who's playing quarterback for them, right? Like if it's Brock Purdy, we'll have a little Mr. Relevant conversation. Like, did you know he was the last pick in the draft? Yeah. 
Yes, yes, buddy. We we knew that. We all knew that. We watched football last year too. But if it's Sam Darnold, can they still win? If it's Trey Lance, can they still win? I think so. I mean, they got McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel, Ayuk, George Kittle, great offensive line, insane defense. Like, they're just going to be chugging along like they do, and it might not even matter who's playing quarterback. But let me ask you, Cody, who do you think is going to play quarterback? Who's going to start the most games at quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? Um, I think it's going to be Brock Purdy. I think you got to give him back the ball. Sorry, Lindor, I thought I was think, just going to hit a home run and went foul. Yeah, I think it's going to be Brock Purdy, but you know what I, I feel like the Niners are doing? It's almost like when you draft a, like, a tight end by committee in fantasy, and you draft like three mm-hmm. guys towards the bottom rounds, and you go, I only need one of them to be good. It's just got to be one of these guys, and then I'll be fine. And usually all three of them end up stinking. But that's what they, it seems like the Niners are doing. They're like, yeah, we'll bring over Sam Darnold, because why not? We'll give him a shot. Why not? He could work. And if all else fails, Pete, then maybe Christian McCaffrey ends up getting the most starts at quarterback. <laughs> I wish they made him throw the ball last year. When he played quarterback in the uh, in the playoffs, I was like, dude, just let him throw one. Like, who cares? You have nothing to lose right You're- now. Just like give him, give him a Tim Tebow, run up to the line, jump, and dump pass over the top. Yeah, you know he's throwing like a, a dime down the sideline too, and you're like, Jesus, what can't this guy do? Seriously, that that's hysterical. Debo Samuel might play quarterback. Who's to say? You know, it might it could be anybody. All I know is that this team's still gonna win ten games. No, they're that, that's the only thing I do know. Maybe the, right? they might like, have the Kyle, most dudes in the league on both sides of the ball. Like when you just look at positions and you're like, man, they got a guy there. Oh, they got, you know, Fred Warner here. They got Nick Bozo here. They got, you know, they just got dudes everywhere. Seriously. Like they, they crush people on defense. They run over people on offense. They got four dudes on offense who can just ruin people's days. <laughs> Between McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, and George yep. Kittle. Your day is ruined, bro. And none of them it's, are the it's quarterback. Done. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I have a weird uh, space in my heart for Sam Darnold, probably because I liked him coming out of the draft and wanted the Giants to take him, so I always refer him. Um, but I feel like it might be Sammy. Sammy D. My boy My boy is still like twenty, like 24 years yeah, old. There, there's a world where Sam Darnold gets it right under Kyle Shanahan's offense, and he's got so little pressure because of how good everyone else is. He's just in a finely tuned system, and you know maybe it does work for Darnold there. That would be cool because it's not like his talent just is disappeared, right? You wouldn't think so. So why not Sam Darnold? Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think it'll be Brock Purdy's ball at least to start, and I think something would have to go wrong for him to not be the guy for most of the games this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. We're we're here. We we made it. Well, we didn't make it yet, but we're so close. We're so close, and I'm so excited. Cody, this was great, bro. This was absolutely a blast. I hope you guys enjoy this uh, as much as we did listening because it was fun. If we missed any big storylines that you guys want to touch on, hit us up at Subway Sports Talk on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you want. Uh, I'll try to get a graphic up of our draft here and maybe the people can decide, you know, who who did the best job of picking the most interesting topics because right now, I mean, we we had many overlaps. Some of them were partial overlaps and whatnot, but man, there's just a 15 storylines we could have went through. We could have had two more people in this draft and still done yeah. five picks each. That's how many things are happening in this year's NFL. And that's the NFL, NFL for you, baby. That's what it does.
Cody, any last words before we say goodbye? No, man, it doesn't get any better than talking NFL with you, brother. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you staying with me, talking some sports, talking some football. I'm actually going to do something different for Subway Sports Talk at the end of this week. Cody, I don't know if you're excited about this, but we're doing a little UFC preview. Oh, yeah. Later in the week. Yeah, how about it? You got a special guest coming on? You got someone lined up? I do. I have one guy who I'm doing the pod with for sure. And then I got a buddy of mine who I won't say his name because he's up in the air. He might be on a plane when we're oh. recording. So that's tough. But he he does some MMA coverage himself. So, you know, not like it's Ariel Hawani or, or freaking, you know, Daniel Cormier. No <laughs> offense to my buddy. But uh, but he's an, a legitimate MMA guy. So we're going to try to get him on even for a little bit. But we're going to talk some UFC, bro, because, dude, those fights coming up this weekend. What is it, 291? I should know this. I got to do more prep. But it's uh, it's one of these cards where you look at the first fight on the card and you're like, what? That's the that's the lowest fight on the main card? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, I'm a super <laughs> UFC casual. Like, I'll just kind of stop in oh, me too. with people and watch and all that. And I do like watching it, but I, I'm not, like, big into it. So the test for the UFC card is if I know a majority of the names, that's a hell of a card. That, that's a great testament. And I'm also a UFC casual, 100%. I'll be very clear about that on the pod later in the week. I'm not going to try to be some sort of es- es- uh, expert. I'll do my research so I don't sound like a dum-dum. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, dude, when you get uh, Gaethje Poirier on the title co- or the, the main fight, the main event, and then I'm, try- I'm trying to pull up the whole card here so I can read it off to you because you're going to know almost all these guys, and I can't even pull it up because my internet is crapping out here, Cody. Pete, th- that's sorry, okay. this is what two football guys do. You just push through like we've done all night. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, you would think that uh, I'm doing this pod that I would understand who's on it, but I still need to kind of look at it for now. All right, here we go. Are you ready for ready? this? I'm going to go from the from the first fight to the end. Michael Chiesa and Kevin Holland is okay. the opening fight of the, uh, the main card. Then Tony Ferguson, who only has electric fights, even when he gets his ass beat, is fighting Bobby Green. Steven Thompson versus Michael Pereira, who's yep, a savage. Okay. They both are. Jean Blakovich versus Alex Pereira mm-hmm. is another monster bout. And then you get Gaethje and Poirier. I mean, it's it's one of those UFC events where the buddies are texting the group chat and be like, yo, are we getting together for this one? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we might have to. So I'm pumped for it. I look forward to doing something different with the podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. Expand the horizon. Sounds awesome. I'll make sure I listen. That's, ah, thank you, bro. I appreciate you. All right, well, that's all we got. Subway Sports Talk. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, review if you like the show on your Apple Podcasts app, your Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, as well on YouTube. Subscribe and notification bell so you know when we drop new videos, as well on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Subway Sports Talk. Well, that's all we got. That's been an NFL Storyline Draft with Cody O'Connor. I'm Pete Kennedy. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.